Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. We were kind of muddling with some ideas a little bit this week, trying to figure out what we were going to do, and had some plans get canceled, and we decided, you know what, it's a, what's what's a better time to do a year-in-review podcast? I know that's kind of kitschy sometimes, a lot of people do the year-in-review stuff, and you know, but I think for beer, it's interesting, because there's trends, there's, for us with the podcast, it was our first few months doing the podcast, and we can kind of go through that and, and talk about some of our favorites. So it's just kind of a cool idea. I'm, I'm glad you were the one who suggested it, so I'll give you the credit for it, but I was I was totally down for it 100%. Yeah, I think beer beer is an interesting thing. I was thinking about this earlier today. I, f- I feel like what's really cool in, and I, th- I think this goes for all kind of beverage industry. I mean, I think it's the same whether it's, you know, craft soda or you know, the seltzer water, you know, trend we saw that really picked up with the Croy and Polar and all that kind of stuff that I almost feel whether you're in cocktails or wine or beer or non-alcoholic beverages that we're almost chasing something that will never be finalized. Yeah. You know, because no one will ever be able to craft the perfect beer and consistently make it the perfect beer. Yep. Someone will always come around, whether you're, you know, like, spoiler into what we're going to do for Beer of the Week, which you don't know that we're going to do. It is a beer that has been made for a very, very long time and is very widely considered as, you know, one of the, you know, oldest breweries ever, blah, blah, blah. But still, someone might come out with a st- with, you know, a small batch of that style that is going to blow it away. So I think it's really fun to always kind of look back and say, okay, where were we? Where can we go? Where are we now? Blah, blah, blah. Because we'll never be able to perfect that. And I think that's one one thing that's really great. And if we focus in on beer specifically is, you know, even if it's like IPAs that we've been making in the Northwest forever, where everyone is still consistently trying to make it better. It's like a white whale, basically. Well, and I, I think it's interesting it, – because it's included. So generally things that are hobbies or interests of people are things that are just like that. Yeah. They can't be perfected, which is what keeps it a hobby for you because it's always changing and there's always new things and there's your favorites that you can go back to. And I'm thinking music, I'm thinking mm-hmm. restaurants, I'm thinking books, yep. all that's movies. You're never going to get the perfect blank. It's funny you mentioned music because that was the example that I was thinking of. There's a lot of people... You know, when you think of the classical greats, the Tchaikovsky's of the world, the Mozart's, the Chopin's, the people like that, um, the closest thing they say these days in in the modern century that we will ever get to one of those people is like a Stevie Wonder. Um, Stevie Wonder is a master of, you know, over 10 different instruments. You know, he's a master of a harmonica at 15 years old. He's obviously a piano player and he's a brilliant composer. But I guarantee you Stevie Wonder is at his house still even though you know he's older and he's you know starting to lose a little bit of his edge, I guarantee you he's still trying to get better at any instrument he can play, and he's widely considered, you know, the the, the greatest guy we've seen in our generation. It's funny because I I've never thought of my interests in that light, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting because I I love video games, mm-hmm. music, and beer and food. Like those are my three main hobbies. Sports things that I like is to number do. four. Um, yeah, 
Sports is kind of sports is kind of number four for me. That's really cool because I I mean I know you a lot from sports. That's how we built our relationship, and and you are very very good at sports. Yeah. So for that to be number four, I think that's really fun. I, uh, but I've never thought of it in that lens of all of those things are constantly changing and mm-hmm. they're never perfected. It's not like. Maybe this is a bad example because I'm sure someone could co- go out there and who's like a really, really advanced mathematician and say, well, we're still trying to perfect these formulas. But to me, like math is math. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, the formulas, you know how things work for the, at least in the base, I'll say basic math. And for me, that's not a hobby or interesting because for me, I learned fractions and I learned calculus and I learned all this stuff because I had to. And it was, okay, what do I do? I follow this formula done. I'm done. There was, for me, no advancing for that, maybe because my brain just can't handle it. But on the other stuff, it's it's always changing, you know? It always, it, it, I always kind of harper back on this as being somebody that's worked in the in the restaurant business for as long as that I have. It's that there there's there's no completion factor. You know, I always, there there are times that I, that I envy, you know, doctors, detectives, lawyers, marketing firms, because they will have they will have a project that they're working on say it's a say it's a doctor that needs to perform this surgery or a, a marketing team that's like okay okay right now we want to push uh coffee mugs and once we get that complete then we'll move on to the next and there there's a there's a stopping point but in restaurants it's like ah we got through this day what a great day this weekend the week the month 2018 was a great year for us and we're back in the grind. Like, there's no stopping point. There's no stop, restart, take a new challenge. It's continually going. And I think, you know, like I said, cocktails, wine, and and what we do here, beer, is going to be in the same vein. And I think that's why a year in review for this kind of thing is really, really cool. Because, A, everyone's going to have a different opinion about it. Oh, yeah. Because it's always changing in different palettes and stuff that we've discussed. And, B, the amount of change that we see at different layers of beer is a ton every single year. So that's going to be the the podcast today. We're going to do year in review. Remember, you can find us all over the place at radio.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, 1080thefan.com. Wherever you find us, if you could rate and review us and leave us uh, some stars or a comment, we'd really, really appreciate it. All of the stuff that we've seen has been awesome and we really, really appreciate it. If you want to interact with us on social media, I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram. And you can react with, and talk with us there. I've seen a, a, some tweets come through about the podcast on my Twitter. I'm sure you've seen some stuff on on instagram so again appreciate all that and uh, keep listening and remember keep an ear out for a potential event with us coming up next month which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast uh like tease it because no- nothing's official yet but right. we'll, we'll tease it um so yeah year in review where do you want to start you want to start with trends from the year because i kind of want to do our own little personal award show too sure you know it's not going to be anything scientific or all these ratings just personally for the both of us and they're not the same answers our favorite brewery, our favorite new brewery. I say new in air quotes because one that you tried for the first time this year. It's not new to the scene, but new to you, yeah. et cetera. So I want to do that, but maybe start with trends? Sure, yeah, yeah. I think I think trends is a great place to start. I mean, trends, trends are interesting because trends are positive. Trends are negative. Trends are just that. They have no good side, bad side. They are dictated mostly by the consumer and you know we we have to, i have to be honest here by by no means am i taking a shot at the consumer but you know the consumer can dictate a trend whether it's good or bad because at the end of the day you vote with your dollar 
And if you're buying things, if you're drinking things, if you're, you know, pumping things, whether they're good or bad, you have control. It's like our it's like our quality assurance episode we talked about last week. Like you as the consumer, you have way more power than you realize. So I know where you're going with this. Well, I mean, it, it's not just you're right. I am going where you're thinking, but there are more to that. And some of them are positives and some of them are negatives. Well, I know you're going towards hazy IPAs. For sure. Because... It blew up with the consumer. Mm -hmm. The consumer was going gaga over hazy IPAs. I know here locally, Great Notion had lines out the door constantly for their hazy IPAs. And the consumer just went, this is what I want. And it started slow. Actually, it started fast, then slowed down, then kind of sped up again. Everyone was like, oh, I got to make a hazy now. And then there were some holdouts who were like, yeah, maybe not. I'll let them do the hazies. That's not what we're known for. So that's when it slowed down. And then I noticed everywhere now, at least has one hazy on the tap list, at least one. Yeah, I would say, you know, hazy's been a trend for, I want to say, about two and a half years, maybe three years. The the hazy itself. But you nailed it. When it, what happened in 2018 is we saw everybody that was against it jump on board. Yep. Everybody. I mean, that includes anybody, you know, I don't, I, I can't think of any names off the top of my head per se, and I don't want to call anybody out necessarily. But yeah, there were plenty, plenty of breweries that said, you know, nope, we're not interested in this. We don't, we don't care for it. Uh, we'll never do one. You know, hard never do one. And yeah, the the market dictated it because the consumer said came into the brewery and said, hey, you guys have any hazy IPAs? And they said no, and they went, oh. But I think I think and that could be a lost customer. Agreed. I think you know we talked about this in the winter ale episode. You know that you know some breweries feel almost obligated to do it. I think what we learned in 2018. Good, I, love <laughs> I think what we learned in 2018, what and this is something I'm probably the most proud of the industry for doing. Um, you know, because we, you know, in the industry, you do have to cater to the clientele. You do have to cater to the market. You have to make what people want. But what I think 2018 showed with a lot of breweries was they said, okay, okay, we get it. You want hazies, but we're gonna do this our way. We're not gonna do. We're not going to do, you know, what somebody else is doing. Sure, we might borrow some ideas and 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 find the the people that really broke ground on this style and blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, we're going to do this our way. And I think that is the best way to tackle a trend that you weren't really interested in being a part of. You know, I think a lot of breweries went that route. And and for that, I kudos to you. I I applaud that. Cuz if you're going to do something, you're going to put your name on it, it better be your name. Yep. Don't go try to make a treehouse beer. Don't go try to make a great notion beer. Make your beer. If you want to do hazy because people want hazy, make it, you know. You know, I I use this brewery as an example even though I this is this has no this has no grounds to it, but you know, my good friend Conrad at Culmination, you know, he said, okay, I'm going to do hazies and, but I'm going to do them the culmination way. And that is something I, I respect to the nth degree. And that's the way you're going to diversify. That's the way you're going to make a trend, something real. And I think that's the biggest reason why in 2019 hazies won't be a trend. they will be a style. Yep. It's a style that's everywhere. Yep. And you will now be able to get a hazy no matter where you go. Um, I, I was sitting at uh, there's a place called Thirsty Lion. It's a it's a local it's a chain kind of it's like in a couple states, but there's not a lot of locations. Like a franchised chain. Yeah, I I think it's really really good and it's close to home, so it's kind of one of those places we go fairly frequently. And they have a couple of those little shared tables next to the bar, so you're sitting on one end. There's people on the other end. This guy comes in, 
and he's clearly visiting. And Thirsty Lion is not, they don't make their own beer, but they have a tap list that's probably about 30 or 40-ish beers long, right? And I've been going there for years, and I had never seen a hazy or anything like that, right? They have a they have their staples that they always have on their tap list, maybe one or two seasonals. And this guy is who's sitting in the in the table next to us, he goes to the to the to the server, he says, You know, I, I really just love hazy IPAs. What do you guys have? They only had one, but they had one. Mm-hmm. And it was a modern times beer. I forget what it was called, but um, he was like, I'll have that. And then his friend came like 15 minutes later and his friend goes, man, I just been loving hazy IPAs. Did you find one here? And he goes, yeah, this is the one they got. He got the same one. And I went, it's a style now yep. because it's not, they're not a brewery. They're a restaurant and that has a fairly decent tap list, but it had really not changed for years. Mm-hmm. It had been the same. They had a large IPA section. They had small Kolsch and Pilsner and Reds and, and dark beer. And it very, very rarely changed. Maybe some tweaks here and there. And I went, they have not They they have to have a hazy. Because the amount of people who came in and said, hey, what's your hazy? And they go, sorry, this IPA is closest to it, but it's not really a hazy. And they don't, got disappointed looks. They had to have it. And that's why it's a style, not just a, tre- a trend. Yeah, I've I had this conversation with Sarah Peterson, the owner of Cerveza, uh, a while ago. I mean, a while ago, and you know, she was she was like me, you know, very hesitant on on this. Is this a trend or is this a style? We we're both kind of in the same boat, you know. And she owns a beer bar, so there's a lot more at stake for her than me as a consumer. And she ended up going to the point now. If you go up there, they have a dedicated hazy tap. But again, it's kind of like going back to what I was saying with 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 breweries saying we're going to do this our way. Sarah and I think a lot of the other high profile beer bars have done the same thing. It's like, okay, okay, we get it. You guys want a hazy. I will dedicate a hazy line, but I'm going to be picky about the hazies I'm going to put on. I'm not just going to put on any Joe Schmo's hazy. Like, we're going to taste these. And if this is good, then yeah, it hits the line. So I think... I think one thing that has been great about this being such a, a almost at the beginning being like a kitschy kind of cheeky trend is that a lot of breweries approached it and a lot of tap houses and restaurants and bottle shops have, have approached it as well that, oh, okay, okay, if we're going to do this, we're still going to do it our way. You know, do we, what do we want to, do we want to serve a hazy to somebody just because of the name of the brewery? Or do we want to serve a hazy because of the quality of the beer? And I think what this town and what this state is and the region has been so great about is that quality will always win. Good beer will always win. So even if it's a trend that you don't like or you do like, we're only going to showcase the qualities. Right. And, and, I, and I think I think we did well with that. In 2017, I feel like it was just a free-for-all. It was like, oh, somebody made a hazy? All right, let's put it on. You're like, this is not good. And now this year, people are starting to sift through and find the better ones. And I think before we get too bogged down in this, because we got a lot of stuff to get to, I think if you look at what was it, the milkshake mm-hmm. style that kind of went through the for lactose a little bit. based, and yeah. then there was also the brute IPAs came out for a while. Mm-hmm. To me, those are more trends. They're mm-hmm. more flash in the pan. They were cool for a minute, but they're not sticking around. I haven't seen a lactose milkshake beer since the summer. Yeah, those, in my opinion, are dead. They disappeared. And I've seen so few brewed IPAs where for a while it was on every tap room's menu. I've seen maybe 30% of the places I've gone have a brewed IPA. Yeah. Maybe because they found it was really good and they like it and they want to keep it in rotation. But that, to me, is not a new style. That's just, hey, cool, we, we tried something new and interesting and here we go. Yeah, and I think the two of them have have some very 
great aspects to them in this sense. I think milkshake IPAs taught us to be to be frank what not to do, which I think there is a learning uh, there there's learning opportunities from that. And then I think the brood IPA showed us some things that we can take into our IPA designs. So sure the brood IPA might not last, thus making it a trend, but I think a lot of people learned some things from trying to brew a Brute IPA that they are now able to transfer on to their other beers. What about uh, anything else beer trend-wise last year, or did I kind of nail all three of them right there? I feel yeah. like those were the three big ones. Yeah, those are it. I mean, we, we're, we're seeing, and I, I think we're going to see a little bit more of it in 2019, but I think it's going to fall the wayside of the Milkshake IPA, and that's going to be the pastry beers, the the beers with, with big adjuncts that make things sweet and make things desserty. Um, not just the dark beers that you think of, you know, like the dessert dark beers you think of in the past, but like using IPAs with with weird adjuncts and stuff like that. I think I think there was plenty of that to go around this year. I personally am not a fan of those, so I stayed away from a lot of them. I mean, I can't even really name them off the top of my head. But if you talk to some brewmasters, yeah, the pastry thing was there. I mean, I remember we were I was talking with Chris Crab from the uh, for the Holiday Ale Fest, and a ton of those beers were what would fall into pastry beers, sweet beers, uh, with a bunch of different stuff. And we'll see a little bit of that in 2019. Uh, maybe not as much as we saw in 18, but I think people will kind of say, eh, I'm okay with that. And then I also, if you want to take a, a gander at looking forward, style-wise at least, I know you have one you want to mention, but I've seen this a couple of times very recently, and I'm feeling like it's going to be just a trend and not a style thing, but I don't know. I've seen a little bit of the Japanese lager styles coming mm-hmm. into into beer. I saw Level has one, which they're canning right now. Yep, it's uh, in like nineteen point two ounce cans. Yeah, and I I've, I saw I can't remember the other one that I saw, but it was Yuzu something, and I went. Huh. Oh, it was the other night we were at uh, we were at Vesa. Yeah, but I I think that oh that wasn't the Level one. That was a different one. Yeah, that yeah. was Ex Novo. Ex Novo. Ex Novo okay. did it, and I'm going huh. So is this going to be the next thing where we're experimenting with some of the Japanese styles but integrating it into American beers? Uh, it could be true. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of Japanese lagers are rice-based. You know, a lot of American domestic lagers. I mean, Bud Light, Coors Light, those are all rice-based beers. And I think this I think this, this idea of Japanese lagers and, and stuff like that, I think, derive from the bigger picture, which is what we've seen partially during 2018, but is that, you know, not to jump ahead too much, is that 2019 is going to be the year of the lager. And I think... That's what I was leading you to. Yeah, yeah. And 2019 will be the year of the lager. We're already seeing it. Breweries are releasing their beer calendars for 2019. And you're seeing all these lagers they're producing that are going to go to the market and be packaged and all this kind of jazz that we're ready for. But just like how Hazy's caught on and how Brute's caught on, it's like, okay, we have these lagers, but how can we experiment with them? And I think the Japanese lager style is something we don't see a lot in this town. And so that's a new thing like, ooh, how can I tackle something different right. that nobody else is doing? Because, you know, like we were saying earlier in Chasing the White Whale, you know, we're constantly trying to find what's new. Where are the palettes? What's evolving? You know, where do we go next? How do we experiment? And with the lager world coming in on the big picture right now, I think it's opening so many doors. We just happen to see a lot of people walk through the Japanese door. I mean, we saw it with whiskey. I mean, whiskey, you know, is bourbon, rye, and Irish dominated. And then now you go to any 
notarized whiskey bar in this town, and they're going to have at least one or two Japanese whiskeys. Oh, yeah, if not a lot more. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's the same kind of idea. It You know, it, it's not to credit or discredit, you know, the, the, the Japanese style of, of, of creating these products, but again, it's something not common. So why not take a stab at something uncommon to us that might add a little flair that might say, I've never had a Japanese lager. What's a Japanese lager? Right. Oh, well, hey, try this. You know, and I think that's that's just part of the evolution. And then the other thing I was thinking of in terms of the year in view that's not style based is I really noticed and maybe it was just because we did the podcast and I was paying more attention to it or or something like that. I noticed a lot of the new breweries that opened up were really good right away. Like they kind of nailed it. And I think we've talked about a little bit of this. I think it's because a lot of the people who opened those breweries were brewmasters or people who were working at other successful breweries who wanted to go do their own thing. But I mean, I, I, I levels brand new. I just mentioned them, right. Mm -hmm. And they're killing it. And ruse is killing it and they're brand new. And I'm sure I'm, there's a hundred, not a hundred, there's like 10 more that I'm forgetting that we've talked about or been to that are brand new and are just doing really solid beer right away. Yeah, I think a lot of the time there's these growing pains with new breweries and you got to kind of tinker and learn. And I obviously I'm sure that still exists out there, but again, it could be the marketing aspect of it. And maybe, maybe I'm totally off, but for me, it feels like there was a huge swell of brand new, small fledgling breweries that were just making really damn good beer. Well, I think for me, what I've noticed in this is the point that you mentioned. I think the ones that have shown up and have instantly become you know, like I think of Level, I think of Ruse as breweries that have been around for five years, and they haven't. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm fortunate to work with, you know, one of the more notarized breweries in town. And, you know, we've only been around for eight years, nine years, but it feels like we've been around for 20. Right. And I always say this, you know, like Level, you know, they're a newer brewery, but they feel like they've been around for five years because they made good beer from the get-go. But I think a lot of that has to do was that they were people that, you know, these breweries are started by people that have been at other notarized breweries, or at least had the opportunity to experiment slash fail. I mean, let's be real here. You're not going to be a good brewmaster if you haven't made bad beer. Like, I think you have to make bad beer to know if you're making good beer. And so a lot of that works. I think a lot of these newer breweries that succeed so well, that's how they start. I think the biggest challenge is when you take home brewers that have had success in the homebrew world and get them to go on a professional system, I think that is where you see a lot of these struggles. Just because the the homebrew system versus the commercial system are so different. And that's where you struggle. But, you know, if Barbie comes from, comes from where do he come from? Uh, Laurelwood, I believe. And he opens uh, Level. Like, they, you know, he's had practice. Sure, it takes time to get to know your system. The Ruse kids... You know, they were brewing at a culmination for, for over a year. And so they understand how to brew on those on those larger systems and stuff like that. I think the danger, and I don't want to say danger, I think the the uncertainty, the bigger level for the bigger chance of not being as successful is the bigger jump. You know, like I'm gonna be honest right now. I I I am worried about Great Notion going from their small brew system on Alberta to a 30 barrel brew house. Now I believe in those guys. Those guys are great people. They work really hard. They've obviously created something fantastic in this town, but that's a big jump. 
I believe they can do it, but it might take some growing pains, you know, because you're just not used to that. To where I think a lot of these newer breweries that opened up, those guys kind of already had an idea what they were doing. Is that similar to like Ex Novo opening up a giant place in New Mexico and that second location in Beaverton? Is that a big jump? Or are they at a level where they can sustain that kind of a big jump? I mean, I, th- I think the New Mexico spot is probably a big jump, you know. But, but I doing think, both at the same time, I'm thinking is that's a lot of that, change that's in, a one, lot. in yeah, one year. Yeah, that's a lot. But I, you know, but I think those guys have made quality beer um, for a while now in this town, and they know what this town is looking for, and they know what they like and what they don't like. That that's more of kind of a scaled up version. I also think they're extremely diverse in the style of beers they make, and so. Opening up a giant spot in New Mexico might not be as big of a deal, assuming they hire the right people. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's the year interview. Anything else before we move on to our personal awards here? Um, no, I love loggers. I know you do. I think that's all I got to say. Yeah. You yeah. Do. This IPA kid is uh, getting old and curmudgeon and uh, I like light beers. All right. Well, let's do our personal beer awards this year. That's next year on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Dun, da, da, da. It is time for the Beers on Us Beer Awards. Yeah! The B O U B A, the Boobas. <laughs> it's time for the 2018 Boobas. A bunch of losers that think everybody's great <laughs> giving awards. <laughs> Like we're totally we're totally award for everybody generation right now. Uh no. You're all great. Look, I I put a lot of thought into my boobas for this year. I know and I'm like str- I'm like scrambling to figure this out for well, myself right now. You said this to me earlier. You went, "I'll just I'll just wing it." Yeah, and I was I'll like, "Well, you are good at winging it, so yeah. go for it. I don't I don't mind." Yeah, we'll figure it out. Here are the categories for today's boobas. I'm just going to start saying that so we Boobas. The boobas. The boobas. I have best quote unquote new brewery. Now that doesn't mean it's a brand new brewery, but it's a new brewery for us this year. The first time we ever tried it or first time we ever went there, something like that. Um, I have best brewery. So this is a place that you've been going to for years, but you really like what they've been doing this year, or you had some sort of really positive experience there this year. I have your favorite beer of the year which is something that is a common beer that you can get, but the one that you kept going back to. I also have favorite specialty beer. That's self-explanatory. Best decor slash ambiance at a brewery. And most surprising beer that you had this year are going to be our beer awards. That one, I have no idea. And then we've got favorite episode of the podcast, favorite guest in the podcast, and favorite experience in the podcast. We'll give ourselves a little bit of love at the end of the awards as well. So So we're booba winners too? uh, No. We are part of the boobas. Oh. The, po- the episodes of the winners. Dang, I was really going you for the- You know what? The listeners are the winners. I was really going for the booba host of the year. <laughs> maybe I'll try harder next year. Oh, well, maybe someone else will make that award and make one of us feel really bad. Uh, <laughs> let's start with the best quote-unquote new brewery. And we're each going to have different answers for this, by the way, different award winners. We did not clearly plan this beforehand, yeah. as Patrick is still going for it right now. So, Patrick, you start. Best new brewery for you this the- year. So this is this is a really tough one for me, um, only because, you know, I'm born and raised in this in this area, uh, living in Portland for as long as I have, or growing up in Vancouver, and now I've been in Portland for five six years now, and you know, and beer's been a passion of mine even before I worked in the industry. Uh, there are very few places in this town 
that I haven't been to. Um, and so I think it, it's going to sound kind of a cop-out, but I think the best new brewery I was able to experience this year was High Wire out of Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I really, really, I'm not surprised. I was thinking you were going to go there. Yeah, I really, really liked that place. Um, the the tap room that I was at, you know, a, a lot of it just tugs at my personal heartstrings. Their tap room reminds me a lot of the Milwaukee tap room, uh, which is somewhere that is near and dear to my heart that I spend a lot of time at. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed High Wire. I thought they made fantastic beer. If you remember, uh, we did uh, the that Asheville episode. Our beer of the week was their Oktoberfest, yep. I believe, and mm-hmm. that was one of my my favorite mares in Oktoberfest beers, whatever fest beers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and and that that was a really great experience for me. Um, outside of that, I would say. Uh, if I was going to say local, um, just being able to walk into a building and having eight different ruse beers on taps on tap was uh, was a pretty, pretty great thing for 2018. Well, for me, mine is also out of state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is not a new brewery by any means. And, and this might even some craft beer people might laugh at me for this. But knowing the type of beer I like, dark beers, rich beers, sweet, desserty beers. I walked into this place on a trip with family this year and I looked at the tap list and I dang near blew my pants off my body. <laughs> Ballast Point. I dug the beer at Ballast Point and I really liked the location. I thought it was a really cool spot. The food was good too. But being able to go up and order another, they had like seven dark beers on tap. And I've now gone Candy into. Candy store style. Yeah, yeah. And I've now gone into bottle shops and places like that. Hell, I just for the first time they had a peanut butter victory at sea that I went and had like two weeks ago. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I I'm head over heels for their dark beer, and I think it's actually really good beer too. Um, I know that they sold, and I know that that's a, a big thing. People don't like when when breweries sell to the big big guys, but for me, that's not something that I care about. In my like, I know that's the thing a lot of people care. I don't care. Like, go make your money if you want to make your money. That's fine, but. For me, that was the best new brewery for me. I was just gaga over their dark beer. And uh that's why it won for me. That's fine. That doesn't surprise me at all. I remember I remember when those guys broke their way into town. It w- it was a big deal. It was a really big deal. Grapefruit sculpin. Yep. You know, and the victory at sea was huge. I mean, yeah. These guys make great beer. They do. They do. Hopefully they uh continue to make great beer. I would hope so. Um best brewery. Not new, just the one that you've been digging all year that you keep going back to, and you you uh, you want to give them some love this this year, this fine 2018. Oof, it's tough. It's not easy for me because I try to stay diverse. So yeah. I'm trying to think like, what is a brewery that I keep going back to? I guess I guess or a beer that you keep getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I guess I guess I can boil this down to like a couple different breweries. Um obviously I'll take the the brewery that I work for out of this equation. Uh it it, it if you listen to this podcast it, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you any new or original ideas, but I'm still a staunch Block 15 drinker. I drink a lot of Barrelic, Wayfinder. Um you got to pick one. It's an award. You can't just give it to everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think for this award, the brewery that I continue, because they probably make more styles into my range, um, I will probably give love to Rick and Ben at Bear Lick. Okay. That'll probably be my choice for the year. My best brewery is Freem. I 
It's I'd, not a shock. I had only been. It's not a shock. I mean, you any not for you personally. Oh, but I was going to say, am I that predictable? No, not for you personally. I mean, I mean, Josh and Gavin out there make unreal beer. So the the reason I picked it, well, because I had been before, but only once or twice, maybe twice. And we've gone a couple of times now since we did the episode of that podcast and we met some people there. Mm-hmm. I've gone back like two or three times. And the reason I picked this place, A, is because they do beer styles that I normally wouldn't choose. And when I choose them, I love them. Yeah. Almost to a T, all of them. Um, and I know I, to stay away from certain ones that I know I just won't like. But like from their classic european style beers to just their ipa stuff that i would never be like ah, i'm gonna go get that this year now like i've talked about in the podcast i've gotten a lot better and i'm picking those kind of beers a lot more but in terms of what helped me with that was freem yeah because i would try stuff that i'd be like ah, i don't normally like to get this beer but freem made it i know they're good let me get it and i keep going back to it it's also easy to get here in supermarkets they're all over the place now so for me, that's the best brewery. That that that's what makes this a you know a a a, a tough choice, like a, a a tough discussion. To be honest, because I'm never not going to drink Freem. Right. I'm, I'm never going to turn one down. You know, I go out to their place and I drink their beers, and yeah, we both have friends out there, and and they're going to continue making great beer, and I'm really excited and happy, and you know, thrilled to see what the future holds for them, and. And I guess, you know, when I'm thinking, you know, when I listed, you know, the three that I keep going back to, I I keep trying to keep in my mind, like, don't just say Sun River Rippin', you know, don't just say Freem Down Under, don't just say Breakside Wanderlust, because yeah, those are three of your favorite beers that you will drink all day. Those are your Desert Island beers. So I'm trying, it, it's weird. Well, yeah, because it's supposed to be for this year. Right, right. But right? at the end of the day... It's if, tougher for you because you've been drinking beer like this yeah. forever. And for me, I mean, I've been drinking crap beer since I moved here. But since this podcast started, a whole world has opened up. Right. So it's easier for me to pick these because I'm like, oh, well, I had Freem like two times before this podcast yeah. started. And then in the last six months, I've had Freem like 50 times. I know. It sounds terrible because I'm like, oh, yeah, Freem. Oh, yeah, they make a beer. <laughs> you know, you're just <laughs> exactly. like, I don't, I don't mean to discredit them. Of course not. But it's just like you, you say Freem and it's like, oh, yeah. Those guys are really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I put this category because I don't want to forget about the big boys who we try to like. They have a lot of love, so we try to give love to some of the smaller places. Yeah, but yeah. like, of course, you can still say Deschutes or whatever you want because if that's your favorite place, then great. Yeah, and I and I try really hard not you know not to honk the horn, but I mean, there's a reason I work for who I work for. Yeah, I mean because I I I don't want to work for anybody that I don't think makes quality. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, favorite beer of the year. Oof. Not specialty beer. Yeah, yeah. This so the the caveat on this is it's a beer that that they make regularly that you just drank a lot of this year. I I think so my my beer of the year I've always like kept <laughs> this kept this in my brain just for funsies. Um Sun River Rippin was a multi-year like back-to-back winner. Mm-hmm. And then I had a Georgetown Bodies Offa. And I said, this is my beer of the year this year. Then it won a gold medal at GABF. And I was like, oh, wow, hey. There's my palate. <laughs> hey, you got good taste, buddy. <laughs> uh, I think I think twenty my my 18, the, the beer that we had some in smaller batches, and then it finally hit a can. It has graced its presence on this show, and it has to be Wayfinder's Hell. That's your beer of the year? Their Hellas Lager, I think, is just... I think, you know, part of it is, as as I've been... 
talking about this since we started this in August. And as we are going to see in 2019, the, the logger push, uh, Wayfinder, Kevin Davies, Hellas uh, logger is just unreal. I, th- I think it's so great. It It is almost perfect, as one could say, even though, you know, even Hey, he, we just talked about that. Yeah, even though he is still chasing, ah, oh, well, I wish it had this, I wish it had that, it needs this, I wish it didn't have this. I'm sure he has those thoughts in his brain about it. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if I could get away. I don't know if I could honestly justify choosing another beer than this. Sure, there's beers I drink more than this, you know. But I think now that I started canning it, you won't. Yeah, I think <laughs> if I think of of what's I, I view this more of like what's the standout beer of the year for you that you were able to get a decent amount and drink a decent amount. And I think I go with Wayfinder's Hell. For me, it was Sticky Hands from Block Fifteen. Ah, uh, hi. This, Hello, darkness, my old friend. The reason I picked this beer is because this started with the fresh hop thing for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had sticky hands before before this year, of course. And I think the first time I had it was they have a fresh hop sticky hands. And it was like incredible. Mm-hmm. And I was I was blown away by the flavors and how different it was. But then I didn't have it for a very long time. And I had it again this year. It's on supermarket shelf. Again, remember, I, I have to go to supermarkets for the most part. And I grabbed it and I went, this beer is just freaking delicious. It's the most dangerous double IPA to ever hit the market because it doesn't taste like a double IPA. No. It's just a hop bomb. Yep. It's but it's, it's, it's a balanced hop bomb. But it's not bitter. Exactly. It's got like the kind of, for lack of a better term, it's like the sticky chewiness of the hop mm-hmm. without feeling like you're just going to get really bitter at the end of the taste. It's just kind of, it's almost like... There's some sweetness in there. It's so good. And it's something, I mean, I I love the way you're describing this beer. I think it's something that I'm really hoping we can push for in 2019. And, you know, maybe we can do a part of that on this podcast for those of you out there that listen, is that just because something is hoppy does not mean it's bitter. I think hoppy has that connotation that it can be so floral, so citrusy, so piney and have so much noble character to it and that this hops can overpower your flavor palette in a complimentary way that it's not just cringing the back of your jowls you know that it's not the space race it's not the bitter wars that we had in the in the mid to late 2000s you know that hop flavor can be great my it is great it is great spoiler it's amazing my honorable mention for this and this was a tough choice for me but uh i I had more of sticky hands was the culmination four and twenty i I fell in love with that beer when I first tried it. The the Black Rye CDA IPA yeah. thingamajigger. Yeah, I love that beer. The first time I tried it, I was like, I bought it because I went, ooh, it has the word black in it. Maybe I'll like it. <laughs> and and I tried it, and I was like, what on earth? This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I noticed a lot more CDAs were coming out, and a lot of them are very good. Um, the Complete Darkness one we got from Hub I thought was really good that we did on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, that was a fresh hop. That was really good. Yeah. Um, so I like that style a lot, but I had less of that than sticky hands. So yeah. that's why that's the, my honorable mention, but not, a not my beer of the year. What beer do you think you drank the most this year? I know the answer to me. Um, Hmm. What did I drink the most this year? You answer first. Let me get a second to think about it's, it. It's, it's easy. I mean, I work for the brewery, so it, it's, it's easily accessible. And it's in 12-ounce bottles. I drank more Stay West in 2018 than any beer possible. I mean, <laughs> I just there. it's an IPA in a 12-ounce bottle that I have at my leisure. And I probably drank 
I don't know, 50 plus six packs. Yeah. Well, Easily. I mean, but working there, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's it's probably all reliable Black Blackview Porter. Yeah. I mean, it. I, I, Old trusty. I, I oftentimes will just get a sixer of that or it'll be yeah. in, in a mixed 12 pack from like in their, in their little mixed boxes at the shoots. Can you imagine what it'd be like if we were in like Iowa? <laughs> no. What's your beer of the year? High Life's tasting real good right now. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot imagine that. I it's, have drank a lot of High Life though. It's probably Blackview Porter, but this year has been, a, it's opened me up to so many other yeah. beers that... I honestly have been doing a really good job of constantly changing what I'm trying. And I usually will get like a, a six or a 12 from a supermarket and I try to change it up and make it different. But I mean, there's only so many ways you can change it when you're getting it at Albertsons. Right. But I, since we started this podcast, I've tried really hard to be creative mm-hmm. and different with the beers I've been drinking. How about favorite specialty beer of the year? These ones are tough because I don't drink a ton of specialty beers. I like, I like a lot of beers that I can continuously drink. Um, so some of the specialty beers that I would say, well, I mean, if you listen to the, you know, the barrel age episode we did, I am, I am working on a dark star vertical from Fremont. Um, so I did enjoy the spice wars from dark star. Uh, one of my favorite beers that has put out, I feel like pretty regularly, almost every year, I always go back to the boss Besson, or if you're old school, the Abla bear, uh, which is the blueberry sour from Freem. Um, that's one of my favorite beers that they do. Also, the uh, uh, oh, I can't remember what it was called. It starts with an F. It was a strawberry barrel aged sour from Freem as well. That was one that I that I really enjoyed. So I don't know one of those. I would say pick one. Um, the boobas are important. You can't you can't be floundering on your the picks. The boobas. Um, I I guess I will stick. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll stick with Old Trusty, the Boss Besson. Okay, the blueberry and. I'm going to go with the Dark Star that you brought me, the, yeah. the Spice Force. Oh, boy. I know. I love that beer. <laughs> and that beer is not my style. And I had never heard of Fremont or the that the Dark Star series at all mm-hmm. when you brought it in. And I just this weekend, my parents were in town for New Year's. Uh, my dad is a big dark beer guy, hence me being a dark beer guy. He, uh, We went and we got a, they had an oatmeal Dark Star, oatmeal stout, and just amazing. Yeah. Such a good beer. I, the Spice Force is my beer of the year for the specialty beer because- it was so unique mm-hmm. having all those spices work in the bourbon barrel aged stout. Oof. But I like the Elmo stout version too. Yeah, I think I think the the only one I'm not mentioning, you know, when it comes to specialty beers, I'm probably going to go more closer to the barrel aged sours. I mean, we did this on a quick hit. Um, the hashtag more friends, hashtag more memories from Breakside is also one of my favorite. But I think I have a lot more personal attachment to that beer when it comes to my friends and I have that the place that down I work later, and, and, the and the history and stuff like that. I um, have that one written down. Cool. Um, okay. Best decor slash ambiance at a brewery for you this year. Ooh. Um, I think this one is pretty easy. I mean, this I'm surprised I haven't given more awards to this brewery, but I guess maybe we'll, it'll keep going this year. Um, I choose Wayfinder. Um, I just think I love the inside of their place. I love, you know, the service is great. The food is excellent. You know, we have that glassware episode we talked about, and they do a really great job with that. That patio with the fire pit um, in a no-so-awesome part of town makes you feel like you're in a really classy part of town. Not snobbery, not hoity-toity by any means, but just uh, I, I I, really like that place. Um, I mean, and, and you know, and a, maybe... Maybe a dark horse candidate of that would be, you know, maybe somewhere like Bowie. I mean, I really like going to Bowie. 
just because it's a great spot. Just because the spot is great, the view is killer, and anytime you can get, duck out of Dodge and drive two hours away and feel like you're two hundred miles away, it always feels really, really nice. My answer for this is another San Diego brewery, Stone Brewing. Ah, the the place we went down there, they have a, a bunch of locations, but I don't remember the exact name of it. But it, they had these outdoor gardens, and if you've been down there, you know the place I'm talking about. And it was summer, and it was San Diego, so it was seventy degrees, and it was beautiful. And first of all, this place is gigantic. We walked through like three different inside areas, which were all really cool. But sitting outside, there was this like lake in the middle. There were flowers everywhere. You were in trees. Service was good. I don't think we had food there, but the beer was good. I I was appalled at how amazing it was. I was like, can we get this up here? No, we can't because <laughs> we're not in San Diego. But um, that was a really, really cool experience for me going to Stone. I just realized... That I like Wayfinder so much that I forgot that I went to Sierra Nevada in Asheville, North Carolina. Because I rolled up to that place and was like, whoa. <laughs> and then I had a pale ale. <laughs> yes. Good one. Uh, that place was pretty amazing. But it's, but it's giant. Like, if you're talking ambiance, if you're talking atmosphere, you well, know. Stone I'm not- was giant, but we're freaking outdoors yeah, a beautiful garden with a lake, and there's ducks, and you're in San Diego. Like, come on. Yeah, I'm just a Portland kid at heart, I guess. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take the local boys. All right. And, and then girls, the, I the, guess. The last one that is not uh, podcast-related, most surprising beer that you had this year. This one was easy for me. Ooh, most surprising beer I had this year. I can go first if you need to. Yeah, yeah, go first. Um, my honorable mention for this one is the Breakside More Friends, More Memories. I don't like sours. And when I tried it, I went. No, I was really, I just brought it because I was like, it's in the truck. Right. We're doing this. <laughs> I, I don't like sours and I did not dislike that beer. I, I, I actually finished the glass that we had poured for me and I was like, okay, all right. I see what you're doing there, there Breakside. I like the sour because it wasn't too sour. It didn't just like scrape down my tongue and throat mm-hmm. as I was having it. I just don't like sour flavors in general. The winner for this for me is from the podcast. Fairly recent, the Laurelwood Seasons Change Winter Beer. Mm. That was not anything at all what I thought it was going to look like. Right. It was not anything at all that I thought it was going to taste that like. That was a wild beer. And I could not stop drinking it. I kept going back to it. It was so weird and not in a bad way, but just different. And it worked. I'm going to pull it up while you while you give me your answer because I found it earlier today when I was looking up the name of it. Um <laughs> I want to want to read to you what it uh, what it said as its description. That to me was the most surprising beer of the year. Does that change how you think about it? No, not at all. No, no. I mean about how you think about your answer. Oh, I'm just trying to think, man. I drink so much beer. Surprising beer of the year. It's got to be a hazy because I've had a hazy that I've had multiple hazies that I thought were pretty solid. I just don't want to be a honk. And and pump and pump the brand too much, but I'm trying to think. You know, one thing that does stand out to me though is that uh, that Von Ebert barrel age that we did on that podcast that one time. Oh, that was because I'm not. I'm that not, was one of the first beers of the week that we yeah, did. Yeah, right? I'm not as adventurous as you are. You know, when I'm out on the market, you know, when I'm out on the market, it's like, what am I feeling? And it's either a lager or an IPA. <laughs> you know, very rarely do I. Very rarely do I leave the hop world or the yellow beer world. Uh, you know, if you and I were to go out, I would push myself because, you know, we're like researching, quote unquote. 
Uh, but I tend to kind of stay in those lanes. So I might, yeah, I might say that I was, I was really impressed with how good that beer was. Uh, that was also, it was episode two. It was the West Coast IPA episode, and I brought it in because at, at that time we were doing polar opposite beer of the weeks for right. the podcast episode. And you were like, I don't like dark beer, Mike. And yeah. I was like, well, you're going to learn because <laughs> I'm going to bring you some good ones. <laughs> yeah. And you sipped it, and you, I was expecting you to kind of recoil a little bit. You didn't. You were like, whoa. Yeah. This is really good. It was really good. I enjoyed that. I, I guess I'd have to default that. Okay. Just because, ah, uh, yeah. If I think of something throughout, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Here's what season's change was. This unique beer has been aging for over a year in rum and whiskey barrels. Conditioned, rum. conditioned on cocoa nibs from Ecuador, a special blend of South American coffee, vanilla beans from Madagascar, and a secret blend of spices. This decadent ale has many layers. Boy, did it. And it was like a more IPA brown ale color than a dark beer, which I expected it to be just jet black. Mm-hmm. I remember even saying that in the episode. And it was, the flavors were all over, like, all over the place, and all of that was perfectly descriptive. I thought it was great. I really liked it. Oh, I just thought of a beer from a brewery in Northern California called uh, Hen House. Uh, I had one of their beers called, it's either I Am the Walrus or I Am Paul or Paul is the Walrus, something like that. Very Beatlesy. Very Beatlesy. It had uh, like the four Beatles walking, but in this like very pastel explosion and all their heads were like rooster heads. Uh, it was an IPA. It was really good. But I looked at the can, and I was like, God, this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And I tasted it, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. All right. Now on to the podcast. We'll go through this a little bit quicker because we're actually getting kind of close to an hour right now. Yeah, we're pushing it. We still Uh, got beer of the week, right? I know, I know. Favorite episode of the podcast that we've done? Oof. Favorite episode of the podcast we've done? This one's easy for me. I loved this episode that I have. Favorite episode of the podcast for me? Uh, Probably... I mean, the Double Mountain and Freem <laughs> experience was pretty great. <laughs> that one was pretty great. Um, I'm a super nerd, so I'm going to throw a shout-out to the Glassware episode as well. Um, but I think... Where are you? Where are you? I just saw this. I think my favorite episode, to be honest, is episode number one. Aww. Talking about beer culture. I mean, the beer culture in this town means a lot to me, and I would probably talk in circles, but I could talk about how great everyone is to each other and how far we've come and how far we continue to push each other and ourselves in this community uh, that uh, I will talk about that forever. And and probably my, my close second, which is probably my, my, my second favorite, I guess, you know, or my favorite, I can't really tell, is the constant desire for me learning how to introduce craft beer into non-craft beer drinkers. That was a good episode, it, it's too. It's something I still continue to think about. Uh, I was sitting in on Tasting Panel today, and we were talking about this hoppy lager we made at Slabtown and how I just think it's one of the most perfect beers for someone who likes craft beer but doesn't like hoppy beers because it's not bitter but has great hop character and blah, 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 blah. And... Again, that is something that still resonates with me is how do I get more people? <laughs> how do I brainwash people to love what I love? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what we all try to do anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you're you not wrong. like what? <laughs> oh, you don't like what I like? That's because you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. You just haven't tried it enough. Yeah. You haven't watched that movie enough, yeah. man. You don't understand. Let me, let me for the next three hours try to change your mind. Yeah. Attack of the Clones is the best Star Wars. Prove me wrong. <laughs> don't I'm, go there. I'm joking. That'd be terrible. Um, 
My favorite episode was the OG beers episode. Mm -hmm. That was so much fun to get. We brought like six in yeah. and just had them lined up and we just did tasters of all of them. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like a long beer of the week, but with all the OG beers. And for me, it was really cool because I didn't grow up here. So yeah. I didn't drink those for my whole life. Frankly, I hadn't even had a Ruby until you brought that in for me from McMinimins. <laughs> the rest I had had, but the Ruby was a new one for me. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and I kind of got a new appreciation for the Dead Guy Ale. Yeah. I tried it and went. It was good. I'm like, it was really good. I was like, why do I not drink this more? Because when you think of a beer, you're not like, ooh, I want a Maybach. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know what I, I could go for right now? Good Maybach. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. That was a fun episode. And then I think my second, my runner-up would be our first podcast takeover at Stormbreaker. Yeah. Because we've done it a couple times now, and they've given us tours, or you kind of you go behind the scenes, and you learn more. But for me, going they they showed us in the back, and it was kind of like kid in a candy shop, like whoa, yeah. I've never been back here before. This is kind of cool that we're just walking around. And for you, you're like, yeah, I know, this is my job. <laughs> I've been back here before, actually. Yeah. But for me, it was this really cool experience to kind of to kind of have that experience of like hey we're here to support you and it's really cool that that you're like showing us around it was kind of a cool experience so that was also a runner up for me yeah, and the takeovers uh, are are easy to just be like like i was saying with the double mountain and frame one i mean let's be real here we had a ton of fun doing that oh my god i well remember favorite experience in the podcast is still coming up oh okay all right and uh hell let's just do it now because we're talking about okay. it okay favorite experience was the frame double mountain episode because we walked across town and met a bunch of really cool people and tried a bunch of really good beer that some of it at Double Mountain wasn't released yet. I tried beer for the first time that was out of like the second tank. Yeah. Right. Like it was not even close to ready. And she was like, hey, try this killer green that we're not close to releasing yet. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, awesome. This is great. Uh, and then Freem, Justin was amazing. And he showed us back there and he gave us a bunch of different beers and was telling us about what they're doing moving forward. And I, that was such a fun episode. Yeah. That's probably my favorite. That's probably my favorite experience just because I know we got hammered by the end of that episode. Yeah, so in terms of we episode quality, <laughs> maybe, maybe a not on the, the best. lower side, it might've been funny for you guys out there, but uh, in terms of experience for us doing it, that was on top for me. That was fun. And, it, and it's always a treat to be out in hood river. I mean, that town is, is just full of such great people that care so much and what they're doing out there uh, with beer, you know, it's it's they're they're a smaller sample size, but I almost feel like their quality overall uh, rivals every town on the West Coast. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and then also a couple other ones, honorable mentions for favorite episode in the brews and the booze, <laughs> which we're going to go with in the brews, by the way. Um, I thought that was really fun and I'm excited to do that again, probably pretty soon because that mm -hmm. was about 10 episodes ago. And then also the last one, quality assurance. I learned a lot. That was one for me that was super informative and frankly really nerdy. And yeah. that's not something that I'm good at on, on beer, but I thought it was really fun to learn. Yeah, the nerd stuff is fun. I mean, that's that's kind of where I am these days just because, you know, unfortunately I would, I would love to be in your shoes, Mike, where I get to experience things again for the first time. But, yeah, so it's like like the glassware episode. I mean, like, oh, my gosh, I love that so much. <laughs> Most of you just because of my, like – despise for shaker pints and things like and, right. and plastic taster glasses but uh but yeah yeah the nerdy stuff is really really fun to wrap up the boobas our final one 
Favorite interview so far from uh, from the podcast this past year? Mine's tough. Everyone we've interviewed, I know. Um, well, I love you all, first and foremost. Um, I would probably say... Uh, uh, I mean, it, it's... It, oh, oof, it's all over the place. Eldon and I are good friends. You know, we're drinking buddies. So I'm always going to have a good time chatting with him. Uh, Sarah Peterson, uh, her little shop up on Killingsworth kind of saved me in a very tough time in my life, to be honest. And... And to still be a, a staunch supporter of that is a big deal to me. Um, I've gone there many times since we've done that episode. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think my favorite interview that we've done is with Hunsaker at Grains, just because Mike and I share a lot of the same views and opinions on IPAs, and especially the West Coast IPA, and our love and passion for them and his crafting of them are so, are so fantastic that to be able to kind of sit there with him and us almost... BS, yet him teaching me more about IPAs, I think means probably the most to me. But uh, that, that's also because I think Mike and I are very similar in terms of our palates. That was also my my favorite guest. Yeah. For A, it was... Mike pulled the curtain back a lot, too. He did, but it was also... It was so early in the process for us that it was all brand new knowledge to soak in for me. Mm-hmm. And he really explained it well. Mm-hmm. He He didn't explain it in a way where I was like after the interview, like asking you, like, what does that mean? Like, can you help me out here? Um, it was just, I thought it was a really good interview. It went way longer than I thought. It was way more comfortable than I thought. We were just sitting in Canvas in his, in his brewery, metal music playing behind us. Mastodon played. I remember that. Yeah. And just chatting. And it was a really good time. Now that I think about it, I mean, no, that's not the first time I'd been there. I was like, if that's the first time I've been there, then maybe I choose 2018 for Grains of Wrath. <laughs> but I don't know. I do love Grains of Wrath. Overkill. So Overkill's in cans right now. Yeah, I know. Did we do that as a beer of the week and I'm just spacing? Right no. Now? Okay. We saw it at Cerveza the other night. Oh, when we okay. went there. Um, there's our boobas. 2018 boobas. boobas. Beers on us beer awards for those who forgot already because you're just ec- ecstatic about the name boobas. Um, so that's that's our year in review episode. I think it was, that was a pretty cool episode. I like that. Yeah, that was fun. If I picked tomorrow favorite episodes, this might be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think real quick, if 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 we want to just real quickly look into 2019, you know, as we've talked about loggers and that I keep talking about loggers, and you know that hazies are are here to stay. They're a style now, not a trend anymore. I would like to see if there's a wish list I have is I would like to see more breweries show a true identity in terms of flagship stuff. Like I want, I want, I want breweries out there to find this is the beer we make, and this is what we're gonna package, and this is what we're gonna put in every store. Like having one-offs is awesome and all that jazz, but find, find your hell, find your, find your, you know, Occidental Alt beer, you know, find your Laurelwood Free Range Red, please, and jam that down our throats so I can say I drink more of this than anything else. Very well said. I just I like I th- that. I think breweries need flagships. I, I think like they that. need flagships. Everybody wants something different, but I have to know that I walk into a store and if I buy a six pack of ripping from Sun River, I'm gonna get what I get. No, I agree. I hundred percent agree. A lot of the new breweries are just going one offs because they know yep. it's it's it builds buzz. Mm-hmm. Give me a flagship. Yep. Please. It's gonna be long term for you. Coming up next, beer of the week after the beer of the year, which is weird. In the year in review episode of Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris.
Let's wrap up this year in review episode with, of course, a beer of the week. Yeah, why not? I need a beer. And you said, I'm going to be quite surprised with the beer today. So turn that bottle around. Let me see what we got today. Do tell the listeners, what is our beer of the week today? Right now, we are going to be drinking Vine Steffener's Hefeweiss beer. The, the world's Bavarian oldest, style. The world's oldest brewery. S- since 1040. Whoa. <laughs> some Munich monks. This, my friend, is a German Hefeweizen. All right. Cool. I don't I've, know if I've ever had this style before. I've, I figured let's start 2019 with a bang. Let's start 2019 with the year 1040. <laughs> I figured why not. Uh, Weinsteffener is one of, the, one of the oldest breweries in the world. They were founded by a bunch of monks in Munich. Uh, and it's, it's funny. I feel like, I mean, obviously this beer hasn't stopped. This brewery hasn't stopped making beer, but oh, I, I smell the bananas already, but I became, uh, familiar with this brewery maybe three, four years ago as working at a place in Lake Oswego. And we used to keep their Pilsner on draft frequently. Like we'd rotate them out, but this was one we constantly went back to. Uh, and I was trying to find a style that we hadn't done before. Uh, and I thought it would be fun because I think, you know, Hefeweiss beers are a style that neither of us are going to gravitate towards. Nope. And but they have, but it is a style that has kind of built American craft beer. And locally, we've and got locally as the well. Woodmere Hef, which is huge. Yep. And and, and different from this, I imagine, because this is the Bavarian style. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this would be a very fun, um, I don't know, fun way to start 2019. Well. Already I poured it. I'm noticing it's got a nice substantial head, which I think is a very common thing in German beers. You got a nice little nice little fluffy head that sits on top there and uh, doesn't fade too fast, so you get a chance to, to kind of drink through that, which I always kind of enjoy. I know you kind of get different flavors by doing that. Instantly when I poured it, I got the banana smell. Yeah, yeah. I know Hefeweizens are, are or Hefeweiss beers, as this one is called. It's banana is one of the main flavors that you can get, and I smelled it right off the bat. Oh yeah, and when I actually do a smell, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I smelled it just from pouring it. When you actually do a smell of the beer, oh yeah. Uh, it says brewed under the purity law of 1516. So while you talk about this beer, I'm going to look up the purity law of 1516 and hope it doesn't ruin my Google algor- algorithm. I like this beer. Hmm, That's interesting. You're right. It's not one that I would gravitate towards in terms of a style, but... I'm getting a lot. I mean, I said it already. You smell the banana. You taste the banana. That's the kind of part of the style of this beer. But it's kind of got this sweet, malty, refreshing bit at the end. So it's not just this like punch of fruit, banana-y flavor. It's kind of got this sweetness in the back end of it for me. And it leaves a nice little aftertaste for me as well on the back end. Spicy. Spicy. I get spicy. Mm. It's like tingly. Are you not getting the banana or are you? No, very... no, for sure. For okay. sure. Yeah. I'm I was not like, gonna... am I crazy? Am no, I having I'm not a stroke? Gonna gl- I'm not gonna glance over the, the largest tasting note of this beer. But it's spicy to me and not in like a more like a peppery than a, you know, like tamale spice. Like it's just it 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 leaves this kind of like tingling sensation in the middle of my palate. Mm. Now that you say that, yeah, I can and, see and, that a little and bit. And that's going to be from your Noble Hops. Um, I just looked this up. Uh, it's funny. Like, I feel like I knew this, but I didn't know that it's 
like what it was called, but the purity law of 1516, it's a German law that says beer should only include three ingredients, hops, barley, and water. And then yeast was later added to that list. Hmm. That's interesting. When so scientists discovered the, the fermenting agent. So me saying the word malty is idiotic because yeah. they cannot use malt. Yeah, Mike, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, barley is malt. <laughs> oh, even more of an idiot. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, but this, this, so what What I'm tasting in this, to be honest with you, is I'm tasting the hops. The hops are what are giving me that spice character. I'm having they're, trouble. They're noble hops. They're giving me this peppery. Um, I mean, obviously you're spot on. There, There's that banana ester in it. There, There's some good citrus notes to it as well. But I think the biggest thing that stands out for me is the spiciness. Also, look at the color. It's not super clear, is it? That would be a hazy beer right here. See what I mean? Yeah. I see what you mean. Um, I guess I kind of get a little bit of that now that you say it, a little bit of that pepperiness. Mm -hmm. I would have not attributed that to the hops. Yeah. I would have just said, oh, it's from the fermentation. But that to me is the classic flavor of German hops that I taste mm -hmm. when, you know, whether it's. And I'm. Again, we, stupid we just question, a, noble hops are from Germany, that's where they grow ba them? Basically, yeah, like, I mean, they can grow here, but they're they're different strands. I mean, uh, all types of hops show different levels of nobility, if that's a real word. Um, but yeah, I get them in a lot of that. I mean, I just had a long conversation today about Liberty Hops and Hirschbrucker, and, and those tend to be, you know, commonly used in, in Pilsners and stuff like that, and... You know, I always comment about how the Liberty Hops always give me a lot more kind of spiciness to them, pepperiness, and that's kind of what I'm getting from this. And I can't tell you I'm going to buy this beer very frequently, if ever again, but it's a damn good beer. It is very good. For me, the question is, would my wife like this? Because my wife likes Hefts. I do think your wife would like this, but I think it would stretch her palate. Yeah, it mm -hmm. might be a little bit like... Whoa, this is interesting, but not exactly what I wanted. Yeah, I think it would push her. Um, also, I mean, again, I'm always into that. What is the bridge? Like, how do we get people into stuff? Right. I think this one would be a good one, but yeah. If, but this is very hef. Yeah, very So hef. if you like this beer, there's not much of a bridge beyond this because it's... I mean, I, I bet you can argue this is the hef. Yeah. Huh. I don't think you could argue it. I think, I think the it, fact it is, is. is this is the hef. Um, that's been made for a thousand years. That's crazy to me. Since 1040? <laughs> what? Yeah, dude. They were making beer that long ago? We're not even at 2040. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Um, I, I just, if you have this, I'm not sure if it's much of a bridge. Because yeah, you're probably right. What is like this that is similar enough, but you would able, you'd be able to move past it? This Nothing. is a very distinctive flavor. Yeah, I agree. It's it's funny, like the 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 banana ester that we're both tasting, um, I'm I'm sure is derived a lot from the yeast, but it doesn't taste Belgian to me. Like Belgian beers are are where I get the most kind of banana estery kind of stuff, but it doesn't taste Belgian to me, but has a lot of the same characteristics. It does taste German to me. Um it's got a great ale body to it. Um leave it up to the Germans, like, just because we think they make great lagers. I mean, they also make great ales as well. And the body is, the body is full. It's, it's robust, but it's not dominating. It's not overpowering. It's no, but not, there, there is a little bit of a richness to it. Yeah. Like it's, to, it's a little chewy. This is not a crushable beer to me. To me, this is a, 
a beer that you drink slowly, you enjoy the flavor, but if you tried to crush this beer, I think you'd get a little bit of a like, oh, okay, that was tough. I can agree. I think for, at least for me personally, it might be some of the residual sweetness in it. Mm-hmm. That might be a little much to just crush. Like I say easy drinking earlier, but it's not crushable. You can't just down it and go, okay, I can go now. I know what you mean. Like easy drinking is different than sessionable, Mm -hmm. you know, although the term sessionable is always funny. 5.4%. Not bad. Since 1040. Still blows me away. It's 1040. So how do you pronounce this? Is the Weihenstefaner? Weihenstefaner. The beer of the week this week, the Weihenstefaner Hefweiss beer, Bavarian style since 1040. Um, isn't it, isn't it fun to say? Yes. Very fun to say. I love, I love that the Europeans spell beer with an I. Yes. Yeah. It makes me feel fancy. <laughs> beer. Mm, I'm having that beer. Uh, Put the pinky up. Yeah. Having that beer. I could go for a nice beer right now. Before we wrap this sucker up, just looking ahead for the podcast this coming year. Um, we have some cool things down the pipe that we've been teasing for a little bit. One of those we can't really share too much about yet because it's not officially happening, but we've been talking about it. Uh, potentially doing an event based around the podcast, having you guys come out and there'd be some breweries there. You can have some beer, chat with us. We'd record the podcast there. So that could be coming fairly soon, as far as I know. We're hoping. Um, we are going to do a Southwest Washington episode, which was supposed to be this week, probably next week. We're hoping, yeah, we're hoping to get out, uh, maybe get out there this weekend. And, and record that done. for you. Uh, we have not done a location episode since Asheville, so it'll be fun to do that. It. We haven't done a style episode in a while either. Ooh. Good so point. We should probably do that coming down the pike. And then uh, we wanted to do a beer and sports episode coming up. So there's lots of good stuff coming up early on this year. And then we're just going to keep rolling with this and see what happens as the year moves on. Yeah, Mike and I were kind of talking about uh, some stuff. I mean, I think we're not going to do them right away, but I wouldn't be shocked if come the end of the year, if we kind of revisited some of the topics that we've done. You know, have we seen any change? Have we, do we have new expectations for it? Um, did we learn that maybe we were wrong about something or has our opinions changed on something? So I think it'll be fun to kind of maybe go back and revisit some stuff, uh, just to kind of see if we've changed. And again, we're going to try to bring, we're going to try to bring more breweries on to the show and, and more styles and, and more beer that I haven't drank before. I mean, I feel like I'm starting to get to the point where I'm going to really have to open up the veins to figure out what kind of new beer I'm going to bring in. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm excited to to just keep going out to different breweries and hopefully they're interested in coming on with us and promoting them and we can go to some cool places and try some good beer and, and, and give some love to places that, you know, I mean, we've already done that with a bunch, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's so many places here that we could just keep going forever. So, some personal goals for me is I'd, I'd like to bring in a little more science into this, even though I'm not a science person, because I think that's... You know, science is based heavily on facts and, you know, facts can't be uh, dissuaded. So that's kind of a positive thing. And, you know, I had this goal that I would like to attempt to and not attempt that I would like us to do this year is I would really I'm really interested in a multi-part series on uh, the evolution of women in the brewing industry. That Mm. is something kind of near and dear to my heart that I'd really like to kind of get out there, bring some people on and talk about how beer has evolved and, and is not just a, a blue-collar burly man with a beard and a flannel kind of thing anymore. It's it, it's it's become a lot bigger. I, uh, this year, personally would like to make strengthen my palate 
Uh, yeah. I still struggle sometimes with... Me too, Mike. I want to get a better palate too. With describing yeah. these beers, and I really want to, to strengthen that. I'd like to do more location-based episodes. Cool. Uh, whether that is us talking about like a different country, which would be hard to get a guess for, or maybe just reaching out to some various places around the country, seeing if they'd be interested in hopping on with us, even though they don't know us. Right. And saying, hey, we want to promote your region or your state. Can you help us do that? Um, I do have one person who'd be willing to help us with Colorado, I know for sure. I know I know a couple people in Austin, Texas. So we can start there, but I'd love to just kind of grow that a little bit because there's so many places doing craft beer now. Might not be of the quality as we have here in Portland quite yet, but a lot of them are getting better and they're improving and they're learning. And styles are different. You know, New England right. IPA is completely based out of the Northeast. And yeah. that'd be really interesting to talk about as well. So that's kind of a personal goal for me. And so those those two for sure and I like a lot of your ideas as well so stick with us this year we're going to have a lot of fun and hopefully introduce you to a lot of beer and a lot of interesting concepts you didn't know about and uh, thank you so much for the support so far it was a fun first few months it really was it went really fast it's been great thank you guys very very much we will uh, see you next week deuces deuces